Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Unfounded Podcast. Today, I have a very special episode for all of you listening after the fact. This is actually a live episode. We're joined with a at least 30 listeners right now on TikTok Live, and we're going to be having some engagement this episode. It's a little bit, uh, some stuff that I've been looking to incorporate for a while. Tried to do it on Facebook for a while. Tried to do it on YouTube, but unfortunately, just not enough engagement. But TikTok's the place to do it right now. So thank you for all of you joining me after the fact, and for all of you joining me live right now. Welcome. I'm really excited to get started. <clears throat> and as you can see, we got a little bit of music in the background for you to kind of set the mood. And uh, I like to do that in the in the podcast because uh, music and frequency, uh, from what I believe actually, is, is kind of the foundation of everything, right? Um, you know, when I started this a couple of years ago, I I kind of looked at it through a couple different lenses. Like I said, I tried to look at like a, a simple question, like what's real um, through like a spiritual lens and through like a scientific lens. And I found that there's places where these different perspectives overlap, right? And so when we take a different concept, uh, maybe a standard concept, an accepted idea uh, that we've seen in the world or that uh, the world often presents us and we try to pull it apart a little bit, oftentimes we'll find that there's some kind of new insight we can gain from that. And that's really what I like to do here on the podcast. And today I want to kind of focus on the, the concept of wisdom um, because it's been hitting me that the idea of wisdom, talking about wisdom has been hitting me in a couple different forms for the last couple of days. <clears throat> One of the forms is in the spirit of the owl uh, has been kind of popping up in my feed and kind of in my head quite a bit. And it's a significant spirit animal that uh, many of you may have uh, been familiar with before this as well, but it is a symbol of wisdom, right? Uh, the sp spirit of the owl kind of, every time I, I engage with it, has a, a very kind of powerful presence. And it's something like uh, the energy, if you're familiar with any of the angels, it's very similar to like the energy of Metatron to me. Um, it's, this, it's this energy of knowledge, uh, this, this thing that's attached to something bigger. Uh, and you can see in the depth of the eyes, right? The depth of the, the, the uh, owl's eyes. Uh, there's something almost haunting about it. And I think that there's a knowledge in that that you can see just looking at the animal itself. And there's something haunting about the idea of wisdom <clears throat> as well, if we really kind of look at it at a deeper level too. But the question of why why the, there's these characteristics to like a, such a seemingly simple idea is, is one that I want to answer today or try to answer today. So without further ado, what I like to start with is, is kind of pulling up a definition uh, of what wisdom means. So I'm going to go here on Wikipedia because I like to go to Wikipedia. It's all crowdsourced. <clears throat> Again, there's a lot of different definitions, a lot of different languages, source words that we can go to and try to see what, what rabbit hole we can find, right? So on Wikipedia, wisdom is defined as sapience or sagacity, I've never had heard that word before, is the ability to contemplate and act productively using knowledge, experience, understanding, common sense, and insight. Wisdom is associated with attributes such as unbiased judgment, compassion, experiential self-knowledge, self-transcendence and non-attachment and virtues such as ethics and benevolence. <clears throat> wisdom has been defined in many different ways, including several distinct approaches to assess the characteristics attributed to wisdom. So there's a couple different characteristics and in mythological perspectives we can go over here in a minute, but I kind of want to take that first definition and analyze it a little bit deeper, right? So <clears throat> there's a bunch of different ways we define wisdom, and that's partially why I think it's an idea that kind of uh, demands to be uh, pulled apart a little bit more because there's a certain type of wisdom that you can see not only in the human being, you know, you and me, but you can see just in kind of the natural world. Um, <clears throat> this innate knowledge that you see built into a lot of the different species around the world, right? 
Um, all of the species have this certain type of wisdom, uh, even though we don't define it as such. Oftentimes we overlook the kind of complexity and, and the depth of the animals around us, but animals like the owl are a good example of this, that they have this certain type of knowledge that's been passed down in some way that we really haven't defined well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how, how does the owl know how to hunt, right? And, and in a lot of ways, how does it know how to defend itself? How does it know where to go? Uh, how does a bird know when to fly north for the winter or south for the winter? I mean not north. Uh, you get what I'm saying? There's these, this innate wisdom of a certain sort that's passed down through kind of um, the species themselves that in some ways lives inside of us as well. <clears throat> and I've, I've found as I've gone on my kind of a journey through life, at least the last three or four years when I've started to express myself creativity like this, I, I create creatively like this, I found that, um, there's a certain type of wisdom you gain just from going through life itself. Uh, but there's also a certain type of wisdom that you feel deep inside of you, right? There's a certain type of knowledge that feels it's kind of innate to your being, who you are, um, this knowing about where you're going to go in the world and what you're going to be, right? What you're going to do or what, what makes you light up, right? <clears throat> it's a certain type of wisdom as well. Um, the wisdom of oneself, right? The knowledge of oneself. And I believe that we're kind of being called uh, right now, at least for those of you that are watching and listening to focus in on, on the virtues and the ethics that are attached to wisdom. Um, this ability for us to transcend ourselves uh, when we focus on attaining a knowledge that comes from something other than ourselves. Uh, you know, when we recognize that there's, there's wisdom in things like the animals, like nature itself, like kind of the opposite perspective from you, you know, um, that wisdom kind of is born out of this balance in some ways, right? It says right here, the Oxford English Dictionary defines wisdom as capacity of judging rightly in matters relating to life and conduct, soundness of judgment in the choice of means and ends, sometimes less strictly sound sense, especially in practical affairs. Let's see here. Mythological perspectives. The ancient Greeks considered wisdom to be an important virtue, personified as the goddesses Metis and Athena. That's interesting. Metis was the first wife of, of Zeus, who, according to Hesiod's Theogony, had devoured her pregnant Zeus. Her, her pregnant Zeus earned the title Metieta, the wise counselor. After that, as Metis was the embodiment of wisdom, and he gave birth to Athena, who is said to have sprung from his head. Athena was portrayed as strong, fair, merciful, and chaste. Apollo was also considered a god of wisdom, designated as the conductor of the muses, who were personifications of the sciences and the inspired and poetic arts. It's very interesting right there. According to Plato in the Cratylus, the name of Apollo could also mean Balan, Archer, or Amapulin, I think is how you pronounce it. Apologies if it's... Uh, if I'm not pronouncing that right. Since this god was responsible for divine and true inspirations, thus considered an archer who always who is always right in healing and oracles. He is an ever-darting archer. Apollo was considered the god who prophesied through the priestesses Pythia in the temple of Hermes, who is related to the sciences and technical wisdom, and in the first centuries of Christ, after Christ, was associated with 
Toth, or Thoth, which is an Egyptian god, um, under the name Hermes Trimagistus, which is, I believe, the person that originated... Yeah, the Hermetica. This is interesting. We're getting into a little bit of a rabbit hole here, guys. I'm sorry for any of you that may have lost track along the way. Um, but this tends to be how the podcast goes, right? Um, we'll find some kind of interesting rabbit hole and, and tend down it, and then we'll see what comes out of it. But <clears throat> Hermes uh, Trismegistus uh, is the founder or one of the founders of Hermeticism, which is an, uh, one of the original kind of belief systems, I believe, that came out of the time frame around Christianity, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe before that. I'm, we'll read a little bit. Let's find out, right? Um, yeah, he is a legendary Hellenistic figure that originated as a syncretic combination of the Greek god Hermes and the Egyptian god Toth. He is the purported author of the Hermetica, a widely diverse series of ancient and medieval pseudobiographical texts that lay the basis of various philosophical and systems of knowledge known as Hermeticism. Hermeticism is a philosophical system that is primarily based on the purported teachings of Hermes. These teachings are contained in the various writings attributed to Hermes, which were produced over a period spanning many centuries. So this is a, a set of, uh, of uh, doctrines that... Um, have been passed down over time, but kind of lost over time too. The, the people have, have, have lost these belief systems. I mean, me for one hadn't heard of them until a couple of years ago. Let's see here. So what, what I find interesting here is that um, Hermes is, is kind of a, there, there's a way in which this religion, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know a lot about it, but, uh, or this philosophy at least was, had a way of, of, like I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast, pulling ideas apart, <clears throat> looking at things from different angles, uh, right. Recognizing the ways in which the different energies around you play a part in your life and in creating the world that you see as well as, as the way you feel, right. This is all the same thing. Um, there's a wisdom that we can attain from searching through ourselves in the way that we feel every day, right? Um, we don't really need to go out into the world to learn a lot of these lessons. They come from us teaching ourselves, oddly enough. But through kind of this rep repetitious self-inquiry, uh, looking internally and asking why we feel the way we do and then searching for an answer to that and then fixing that part and recognizing where there's another aspect of us that doesn't feel right or proper or feels out of place or feels unrecognized or unheard. And there's a way when like every time we f fit in a new fix for whatever way we're feeling out of line, for whatever way we're, we're not feeling ourselves, we gain a certain insight. Right, And I believe this is another way that people would refer to wisdom, is in this lived way. Right, This way that you go out into the world and you honestly make mistakes. Right, You make choices. You, make, you win some and you lose some. And every time you, you kind of... Sorry, hold on one second. Uh, you end up going into uh, a new part of yourself. Right? And so, sorry, there's somebody trying to, 
trying their life there. But, and, and when we do this, we'll, we'll get some new insight. And there's a way in which it's a very slow build, but as you do, you, you, you kind of recognize that you, you build this mound or this, this, this mountain of knowledge slowly over time that is kind of very specific to you, right? Um, because it's, it's lived by you. And, you and, and, and so you'll find yourself, um, as you continue this process, recognizing that you react differently continually over time, right? That you, uh, you, you may be put in the same situation you were years ago and you find yourself not feeling the same way, not reacting the same way. And you ask yourself, why? Where did this come from? Because it was all this little tiny kernels of truth, right? That slowly built you up over time. And now when you look down, you recognize all those little kernels, those grain of sand, they've been built up into something like a, a mountain that you're standing on. Right. You have a different perspective, literally. You're looking out above everything you used to have to walk among. Because you've built yourself there. And you've gained the wisdom. You've made that kind of foundation yourself. So there's like a myriad of different ways that we can define this word. And it's, it's why I think it's important to talk about. Uh, because I don't think we, we properly understand the ways in which we grow in the world. You know what I mean? That oftentimes are that the world grows itself. Um, there's a couple of different ways we can come at that. One is like an impatience with ourselves we often have when we're growing. You know, not recognizing that every piece of growth is just that little grain of sand, right? It's that little aspect of us that we fix. It's never this grand overarching fix. There's no single solution that fixes everything ever, Right? but we want it because <laughs> it's easier, but it's not as gratifying because it's not real. And what we want is real. So kind of embracing that slow burn, right? And recognizing there's actually no way to escape it. That if we continually look forward, it's, there's a way in which the modern world um, will tell us that we need to look forward perpetually. It'll skip. We're stuck there, kind of as a society, looking forward. Whether it's it's what what new car we want, what new cell phone we want, what we're gonna wear tomorrow, you know, what way we're gonna go up in position or power, uh, or economically. You know what I mean? It's it's we're constantly looking forward, and when we do that, I think we we miss those kernels of sand, we miss those opportunities of growth internally, because we're just not looking for it. Not because we want to miss it, you know? And so I think this is kind of what's happened to our society slowly over time, too. Is like the process of wisdom de development, um, the active part of that wisdom development. Because there's like an inactive one that's passed down through your lineage, too, that we haven't talked about yet, I think. But that active process kind of gets messed up or delayed, Right? And then it spreads socially, you know, um, kind of organically in a negative way, in the same way that we don't, we, we don't like to, you know, we don't like to recognize that organically spreading things can be uh, things that we don't necessarily enjoy, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so that our, our society has, has developed into something that doesn't necessarily serve us at the individual level. 
especially in our attainment of knowledge and wisdom, and spirituality and truth, right? Because there's principles that those demand of everybody. There's principles that they demand of you and me that if we fail to recognize socially, then we fail to incentivize. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like a shallow thing. It's like, why would we do something if nobody's going to recognize that that's the thing to do? Because then we'll just be oddball out. We'll just be cast out, right? This is the sphere I think we all have. Why should I speak my truth when nobody else says anything close to it? <laughs> you know? Why? Well, because it makes you feel good. That's why. Always. You speak your truth because it makes you feel good. Because it brings more truth to you. And every time you get that little grain of sand, you recognize that the world that you thought you were a part of isn't real. Because it's you can't see it that way anymore. You're standing just a little bit taller. You're viewing it from a different angle. And you can get addicted to truth in that way. Recognizing there's no other way, 339. There's no other way to be. And honest. Because anything else you do brings you back more of that. And that just makes you feel bad. It's so simple. Yet when we're in the middle of the loop, when we're in the middle of the pain, we'll look out at the things that are, you know, seemingly causing us the pain and we'll blame those things we'll blame those things and we'll tear the world apart and society apart because in many ways there are these things that we can identify in society in the world that aren't properly put together but then we have to ask ourselves what started first does society or the human being start first chicken or the egg and who am I in relation to that because if I want to change something as complex as society, how do I do that without changing who I am? And you'll find that asking yourself, can I change? Truly, not just in a, in a, in a trivial way, but truly change. How you treat yourself, how you treat others, how you act in the world, how you speak, you know, the way you walk and talk to really embody yourself truly, to make that kind of a change. Do you believe in that? That you can make that? Because you can. But you have to believe it. It's why in our Disney movies, I get a little emotional when I talk about it, because it's, it's why in our Disney movies they talk about magic and the necessity for you to believe in it first. You know? There's something about magic that needs your energy. I'm emotional as I say that. 656. Six. That's where it comes from, is here. You know? I'm sorry, I'm getting choked up, and I don't know why. Because there's a way in which is this here, this feeling, right? Thank you, Elizabeth. This feeling is your magic. You know, the, the power of your emotion. It creates something in the world when you express it. You know, it, it, 
It makes something new. And it, it, it becomes a wand. You become your own wand, you know. And expressing yourself becomes a healing process. Uh, a journey of wisdom, right? Of truth, um, of honesty, of pain, right? Of sadness, recognition of things you don't want to recognize. And that's okay, right? Because every time you recognize it, you gain a better perspective, right? And I truly don't know why I got emotional there, guys. But something's connecting right now. And I can feel it. 833. There's something that's disconnected, and it's, it's, it's sad. It's what it is. It's sad. There's, there's something that's disconnected all of us from this emotion in this place of power you know the world itself it doesn't have this magic in it like it used to you know and everybody deserves to feel that kind of power again the way you feel when you walk into Disneyland you know the way you feel when you turn on or listen to your favorite kid's story you know, we're taught that we're not allowed to express these things as we get older. From where and who, I don't know. Nowhere except our society, I think. And this assumption that we need to be adults. Some concept that seems to harden people habitually and perpetually. It seems to make them jaded against the world and cold to the parts of themselves that would express themselves because we have to be grown-ups we have to be responsible you can't allow your emotions to take you on a whim but you can because that's part of where your power lies you know wherever you're at in the world whoever you are your power lies in exactly what makes you sad, what makes you happy. It, it's simply that. And then acting that out every day. Acting it out in whatever way you see fit. And it's a good question because I don't, I, I feel like I'm sad. Thank you, Chris. I, I, I feel like I'm sad because there's a I'm, I'm having a recognition or this energy that I'm, I'm experiencing right now. And it feels like the Magdalene energy, right? Of this feeling of being denied, right? Not, not individually, not just me, but everybody, right? It's not like some kind of conspiracy, right? There's, there's, there's nobody out there smoking a cigar, holding everybody down. It's something we've done to ourselves, which is why it's sad, right? Because we're the only thing that can save us from this, you know? Yes, exactly. And, and I, I don't mean to spread that suffering or the sadness that I'm feeling right now. The reason that I'm showing it is to show the necessity to feel it because there's something that comes from it, a conversation the dialogue, truth, honesty, 
You know, it's why when you, you reach your breaking point, you, know, you reach your rock bottom and you break down in tears, the next words you say usually is the most truest thing you've ever said. Right? There's this way in which when we allow our, our pain to come through. Thank you, Elizabeth. I appreciate that. We need more people like you. And Chris, you know, and every single person. It's just we don't know who they are. You know, I, we don't know who everybody is because nobody shows us who they are. You know, uh, we get these archetypes that are fed us through the media and through other influencers, right? Through, through these places and, and, and concepts that we're given as we're growing up. And as we grow up into adults that we just we just put on this this costume, you know. We go into the world, and I've, I've done it myself many times, and I know many of us do this because there's no other option. There's no immediate option route for honesty that you can see in the world. Where is it? You know, even if you look towards religious institutions, if you go sit through them, as I, I, I do many different types if I can, if I can engage with them, or at least engage with them in whatever fashion I can, you recognize that there's there's truth in everything and also manipulation. Right? There, there is no one place for truth except yourself. You know what's true. You do. You have a compass inside of you. And it's not a right or wrong compass. It's, it's, a, it's a truth compass. And you know every time somebody feeds you a line of bullshit, tries to sell you something that you don't want, tries to tell you something didn't happen that you watched happen, you know what the truth is because you feel it. You feel that pull inside. You feel that anger sometimes, that resentment, that bitterness. These are negative emotions, but you feel them towards something that's positive, your truth. And the reason you feel those negative emotions is because there's an aspect of you that says, no, no, the most important thing isn't what you're saying. It's a, there's a truth that you're not saying. And that's the most important thing. Always, we know this because we feel that anger. When we catch somebody lying who's supposed to be in a position of power, right? Why we hold them accountable. Right? It's, because, it's, it's because we have this inside of us, this innate way in which we position truth above everything else. And honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, the worst parts of our society, the worst aspects of us are usually, you know, the people that we see in the society that turn that part of themselves off. You turn off the part of yourself that knows or recognizes truth, then what you end up at is something that can't see it ever, even in yourself, eventually. A habitual liar. One that couldn't see the truth if they wanted to, right? And it's such a dangerous psychological place to be, purely even if you take it from a, away from the spiritual side. But it's just as dangerous spiritually because we're telling ourselves that our truth doesn't mean anything, that truth doesn't mean anything in the world, that what we need to be is something else, <laughs> anything else. And we run away from ourselves habitually. Hello. Thank you for joining, Mark. I appreciate you. But I, I just, I, I believe that this, this, this place of truth actually leads us together collectively to a place of wisdom. 
I don't think there is anything different between truth and wisdom in that way. Whereas wisdom is kind of the collective truth gained over periods of time, right? It's that thing that we say out loud and we all recognize, yeah, yeah. And then we, we, we all hold on to that and we pass it down and we embody it. Catchingly said, seems like every time I speak, try to speak my truth, it ends up badly for me. I feel that and I've experienced that, but I think there's a reason for that. You know, and, and I hope this helps. And the reason I've at least identified for myself is because when you speak your truth in the world, uh, catchingly, you're—I hope I pronounced that right—and I, I wish I had your real name. Um, but you'll find that it'll—it will uh, rub up against people in exactly the way that they don't want. They have everybody has what I'm talking about. They have this thing inside of them that recognizes truth. So when you start going out and saying something that they haven't seen in a really long time, that thing inside starts to shimmy. It starts to budge a little bit and it it, it really second guesses who you are. Because the ego that's been built around protecting that whole, that hurt thing, that that damaged heart space, and it, 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 it identifies you as the thing that's gonna heal it. And its identity, the ego's identity is based on that whole being there, right? At least in this example. And so you speak your truth or you say something that may be true or may not be true from somebody else's perspective. And if they're not balanced, it will. It'll jar that place inside of them, right? And you'll get attacked. You, you, may, you may get bullied, right? Uh, for saying exactly what you believe in. And that's partially why this dialogue is so important uh, for all of us to have those experiences expressed exactly like you just de- did. For saying this is how I feel when I try to speak my truth because that's how a lot of people experience it and there's a problem that we don't know that right that when, when most people say something true that they've really experienced they get gaslit right they get lied to they get manipulated they get hurt because they're because they're the people that are that are experiencing these negative negative emotions they don't know what to do with it Right? Just like I didn't know what to do with it for a very long time. Just like I lashed out at people. Just like we all do. Because we're all human beings. Because there's no example. There's no scaffolding. And I believe the only scaffolding that we're going to have in this future, in this world, is us. All of us, collectively here, you know, talking and engaging with each other, uh, leaning on each other, and each other's experiences. You know, what you've experienced that's really hurt you, we need to know about, right? In as much detail as you're willing to share so that we can know who you are, you know, so you can know who I am, right? And we can go into the world with more truth uh, because as, as you do that, it does spread in positive ways too. I promise you that as well. It doesn't just spread in negative ways. It just takes a, a little bit of time to build like to a point where people really see you, really see you for who you are, right? And that's also a process of us loving ourselves enough, of us healing that hole inside of us too. The thing that says we're not good enough to speak our truth. We shouldn't say our truth. Nobody else is saying it, right? We shouldn't be vulnerable because when the last time we were vulnerable, somebody hurt us really badly. 
you know, whatever version of it is for you. We get stuck there, right? But we're also healing that same thing that we, we, we often despise in other people, right? You know, and that's part of the thing, that's part of the message that really helps heal too, is, is the people that have caused you pain, that have denied your truth, oddly enough, oftentimes with time, are the people that will resonate with it the most. Whether you get that kind of vindication in the physical reality or not is kind of up to the universe. You don't always get it that way. But if you believe in yourself, then there's a way in which you recognize it at some point always. Because if you've spoken truth, it's undeniable. Right? And the people that have denied you along the way have to recognize those truths too, or else they'll continually attack themselves. Right? Because if you get good at recognizing truth, you'll, you, you won't say anything else. Right? You won't tempt the universe that way. <laughs> because once you start trying to say truth, it'll test you every time you do. Right? Say something, say something like, you, uh, like you really understand it and know it and watch the universe test you the next day or two. <laughs> in exactly the way you just uh, purported to know, right? I learned that for a while. You doing this podcast, you know, giving my advice to, for myself. But there's a way in which we're, we're all being called to love the part of ourselves that wants truth, you know, and to not be ashamed of that, you know. Um, and the trauma too, catchingly. I know that there's a, that's the thing is we all have trauma whether we recognize it or not. There's a way in which myself, at least, I really, really um, turned my trauma into something that wasn't important. It made it insignificant throughout my life. I, I told myself I didn't have any, period. Even though I had a myriad of different symptoms, really serious symptoms that you know haunted me most of my uh, adult life. And... I didn't recognize until I actually looked for myself into, you know, how to work through traumas and stuff, what, what I was hurt from in some really deep ways. You know, I had some, some, some trauma that had been hidden from me by me, by my head, by my psyche, because it was things that really hurt me at a very young age, right, when I was very vulnerable, right? And many of us have experienced these kind of experiences. And oftentimes you can forget these because you don't want to remember them, right? And I'm, I'm somebody that experienced that and went through the process of remembering, right? Um, and so there's a way in which you can, you know, have a list of traumas and, and that doesn't make you abnormal in any way because there's a lot of people that have traumas that they don't even recognize like I didn't, right? <laughs> For a long time. And let me tell you, Right, like at least you have clear eyes and you're looking at that list and you're going through it, right? Like I am, like I'm trying to, like we're all trying to, if you're watching this. And that's the point, that's the real work, you know? That's one of the lies, is that your job is to go out into the world and to make money, but money isn't real. <laughs> it's truly not real. You're real, you're very real. And there's a way in which when you work on yourself, when you invest in yourself, even though it's cliche, when you actually do that, uh, oh my God, you get returns back because you're not into, you're not investing into something that's, like I said, imaginary. You're not depleting yourself for something 
that you don't want to do. Because when you give yourself that space from whatever you're doing, whatever you're calling a job, right? When you give yourself space from that, you'll find that your true self can't help but come through. It may take a while and it might hurt really badly um, because there'll be some layers of trauma on that. Uh, Once it does pop through, there's a vindication of truth, your truth in that, that you will not be able to deny uh, this work anymore. It'll feel like the only thing that's real, working on yourself. Like it's your only job, right? The universe provides for you when you do this work. <laughs> you know, and they speak about this in the Bible and in other ancient texts, but there's an aspect of faith that's required for all of us to kind of heal properly because the healing oftentimes will demand of us to do things that society would tell us are bad moves, are wrong moves. Don't do that that'll hurt your 401k, (laughs) right? Well, what if you need to go take a break for a while? What if that's what your soul is demanding? What if that's what your job is right now, right? It may be the opposite for you. Maybe it's it's the time for you to hit the grindstone. Maybe it's the time for you to double down and buckle down and really start something finally. Maybe it's the time for you to really put your nose to the grindstone within an organization, a traditional job, and go up that ladder or create a new part of it or reinvent it or just enjoy the process if that's what you like to do. Because there's people that fit in every single part of this society, right? Everywhere. And that's one of the beautiful aspects of it. There's somebody that will really truly enjoy doing everything, if we allow people to have the freedom to, to feel like they can choose it, right? Let me see here what we have. Yes, positive energies do force us to grow. Thank you very much, Buck. Appreciate that. And he also said, you can't look at negative issues or events in our lives as a negative. You have to look at them as a positive. That's very true. I, I appreciate that, that as well. Thank you, Buck. Catchingly says, I'm actually fearing for my housing situation at the moment. So I think I have a right to feel bad about it. And you absolutely do. And I'm never going to invalidate your right to feel bad about it. Or nobody ever should. If you feel bad about something, there's a reason you feel bad about that. Right? Uh, Don't ever overlook those emotions or bury them. You're meant to feel them. Just like I was feeling emotions earlier. Right? And I didn't know where they were coming from. There's a reason for it. Right? Uh, And I don't know what that is. I could never tell you what the reason for that situation, your housing situation right now is. And I apologize that you're experiencing it too. But I want you to know that there is a reason that you're going through that. And that you will be okay. If you believe it. I mean that and I believe that. Or I wouldn't tell you that. That's my truth. Right? Uh, Whatever you believe in, even if you believe in nothing... Believe in yourself and it will provide for you. Absolutely. Thank you, Mark. It's nice to meet you. And one of the things that I think we're all being asked to recognize is that just surviving, right, is what, you know, just surviving and in, 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 I don't think is what any of us are being asked to be anymore. You know what I mean? That's what this world was for a very long time. That's what this world was. You know, that's what it is for most of the animals and the energies that embody it. It's a constant game of nothing but survival, right? Nothing but pain. 
And yes, we as human beings embody that oftentimes many people throughout this world. We all, in our own way, one of the quickest ways you can humble yourself is to go ask any other person in this world, anybody else, especially when you're feeling bad, catching me, listen to this for, for real. This will help, especially if you're feeling really bad about your situation. Go ask anybody else about the worst part of their life. Ask anyone else, right? And what you may find, this is what I found. I don't know for a fact. I'm not going to tell you what will happen. But what I've found is that if you ask other people what they've been through while you're going through something, you'll find that there's a, an incredible amount of wisdom that pops out of it. And you will be able to heal a certain aspect of your experience in that place through hearing somebody else go through something, right? And recognizing that there's a way in which it, it humbles all of us. Every time I get into a place where I feel like there's no way out, right? Or like, this is it. And I, I get angry at the universe, right? Uh, it will humble me in some way with somebody else's story, you know? Right. Some, somebody, and you can all, you know, it's true. Just think about it now. Just ask yourself, is there somebody that has it worse right now? And it's like immediate. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? No doubt. Somebody's got it worse. Just think about their story for a second and then ask yourself a second question. Is there somebody that's gone through that thing, that really horrible thing and gotten out of it? Right. The answer is always yes. At least if you, you answer it true. If you're honest with yourself, but it also requires a responsibility inside of you when you answer that question to get yourself out of whatever situation you're in, whether that's a physical situation, a mental situation, a spiritual situation, emotional situation, it doesn't matter. We are all our own saviors, always. And I believe in you and your ability to get out of where you're at because I've had to do that for myself, right? Truly, I don't mean that as just a story. But there's been times in my life where I've had to be able to pull myself up like that. And now, looking back, I recognize that I wouldn't trade those away. Times where I felt lonely and alone and felt abandoned. You know, times when I was sitting in a mental institution and felt like there was nobody there for me. You know, I was second-guessing all of my relationships in my life and really didn't know where my next step would be. You know, I, I, my own version of it isn't necessary to illustrate that we've all experienced that pain, that darkness, that hole, that pit, where we can't get out of it, but we can, you know. But it really, it goes back to the magic message. That's why the magic, the idea of believing in magic is necessary. You have to believe in miracles for them to happen. You have to believe in magic for it to be real. You have to believe internally, truly, that your situation is going to get better, is getting better, is better now than it was before. All of those things, right? You know, my situation right now isn't perfect, but it's much better than it's been in the past. And I'll take that all day. And I'll love every aspect of what I have now until I don't have it anymore. Because I don't know tomorrow whether I'm going to have more of it or less right? I want more. I pray for more. And I hope, I hope that I don't have to experience less, but at the same time, I've gone both ways before in my life, just like we all have, <laughs> you know, it's gone to less before and that's not fun. But every time it does, there's a, there's an up to that too, right? 
And a new version of me comes out. A new version of you comes out. A new truth comes out. A new creation comes out. All of the pain. All of the darkness. Right? All of the lack. Right? We don't have to fight against our, our pain and our suffering. We don't have to try to escape it, truly. Right? We don't even have to be angry about it, even though we feel angry about it. We just have to recognize it is. For a reason, it is a reflection of us in some way. In some way. We don't have to know more than that. Just accept. That's all you can do. True, unfortunately, I wish I had better advice than that, too. But that's the wisdom that I've I've gained up until this point. You know, is that there it, there's things that you control in this world. And there's things you don't control. And defining all of that can be really confusing. But if you keep it simple, you can usually navigate it pretty well. And one of the things you control is your choice. Very simply put. Your choice of the choice of what you look at where your attention goes, right? And when we fo focus on only the negative thing in our life, right? When we focus on only what's happening to us right now that's hurting us, uh, there's a way in which it propagates. I don't know how that happens. I don't know what the mechanisms are that make that happen specifically. And if I did, I would give them to you. All I know is that when I've tested it myself, that's what's happened. If I was to go today right now, stub my toe and focus on the pain of that toe, and the fact, I mean, very trivial example, but to do that all day, I guarantee you my day will get worse because it has time and time and time again. Because I used to do that to myself so much so that I felt like I couldn't do anything else but stare at my toe when I stubbed it, you know? But now there's a way in which I don't even want to, you know, like there's a way in which I want to take care of myself when I feel a negative emotion. I want to feel it, but I, there, I really try not to focus on it. Not because I want to avoid the situations by skipping them, but because I recognize there is something about the attention, something going on with the eyes in, in your focus, right? That is magic. And so it, it does, it, it gets into kind of that realm where it's hard to believe, but if you believe in manifestation, you know, you have to believe in it for it to be real, then you will start to recognize that what you focus on, you know, it's never going to help. Uh, if you're focusing on something that is outside of you that's making you feel lack, right? Because you're always whole. You know, everybody, even us, even me, everybody that's ever felt that hole that I was talking about, you know, that, that deep void inside, it's what I think stems or, or, or creates the, the true thirst for any type of addiction, whether it's food or sex or, or, or drugs or alcohol or whatever it is. But it's this deep lacking of recognition of being seen in the world from a very young age, you know, for, for all of us from having direction, from having purpose. And then this, this, this lack of being seen kind of opens up a chasm where we feel like our, our truth isn't worth anything. And, in order, and it's a, such a, such a deep pain. It's such a, a deep pain that we will numb it habitually and we won't even know where why we feel that way I, we won't know why we feel empty especially because there's nothing else to say that you should feel any other way right especially when the world and the, the media itself and the marketing is all you know kind of positioned towards encouraging your addictive tendencies right it's getting you addicted to something you know 
there's ways in which I, I often really truly question the effect that our our economy has had, right? And I don't mean to get political in any way. But the reason I raise this is because I really think that there's ways in which like our economic systems, these bigger kind of representations of us individuals or the collective kind of embodied in the world. Um, if we're not careful about the way we define those things, guardrails we put on them, then they'll kind of seep over into our other social social aspects that can cause issues at the individual level. I think this is obvious in kind of the capitalist market because there's there's certain downsides to it that we fail to recognize that people really don't want to focus on, but it's obvious, something like greed, right? That one of the things that the capitalist marketplace tends to unintentionally promote is something like greed because it's a competitive marketplace and it's associated competitiveness with something like the top trait, right? The best trait because it's what it rewards. So there's a way in which if you want to become somebody that's stable in this world, uh, you tend to find yourself continually bumping against these principles that seem to be on the surface negative, but incorporated in a lot of our systems and structures because of the way the economy is set up. It's where you find a lot of greedy people in positions of power, right? A lot of the richest people in the world tend to be the most competitive, these kind of things. And so you ask yourself, how should I be? Who should I be? if I want to be a good person because I want to be a successful person in this world. But if this is what success like it looks like, how do I do it without degrading myself? And so people get stuck and with no route, no way to go, no way to go up properly and no way where to go backward, where to go, but backwards besides that, I mean, you literally feel stuck. And so we numb ourselves. I think, at least economically, right? I think there's a way in which our economic situation does cause some of this. I think there's a way in which our lack of, of, of a higher purpose, right, spiritually has caused a lot of this. Because these things together kind of create a certain stability in the individual that makes them resilient against kind of the necessity, against needing an outside thing to make them feel whole. Individuals are very independent and resilient when properly seated, when they believe in something, right? When they're secure in their family and their, you know, their, their household and their loved ones. When you shake these things in their social connections, when you shake these things, when you separate people, you segment people out, intentionally or unintentionally, we have these consequences. Hmm. It says that catching these said competition can be motivating and healthy, but it often isn't. And it's very true. And one of the reasons I bring up the negative side of competition is because of how often we look at the positive sides of competition, right? It's almost, you know, something we automatically assume is a good trait. Um, but I, I believe that there's a necessity for us to pull back from that a little bit uh, because it's, it's degraded us in some way. And it's crossed over into the spiritual realm too, because it, you'll find yourself oftentimes in the workplace. I'm sure many of you have experienced this. Um, if you've worked for especially any big organizations, like really big ones that you'll find often, they will put you in moral dilemmas, like true moral dilemmas about the way you should treat people. Right. 
And you'll find that many people, especially management and individuals up the chain of command, have this callousness about them, the way in which they treat people as numbers, pieces in a machine. And a lot of what I've noticed, at least, is that if you want to go up in these structures, especially if there's a certain size aspect to this, but if a certain, certain size uh, organization that kind of demands uh, you to have a certain aspect of your emotional, your empathy that's turned off after a certain position of power. And it's a shame uh, because with the effect is that people get hurt, you know, that I've seen, you know. It really does. It degrades the individual at a very level, a, a basic level. And we have to be very careful with that. You know, you have to be really careful no matter what, where you're at, whether it's a, you know, you know, a military setting or a, a, a civilian setting. If you start to degrade the individual or any person at, in any way, even if it's unintentional, like grouping them in groups and calling them numbers or calling them classes or whatever it is, because you'll start to actually think of them that way. <laughs> When in reality, they're all as unique as you, right? And I have a, I have, there's a way in which it's one of the downsides of kind of any kind of collective mentality is we lose our individuality in it, right? And the wisdom that comes from it. And we've been kind of all over the place here today, but I think it there is an aspect of wisdom that we've seen examples of throughout the episode here, right? Um that what I think I've truly settled on as we've talked about it today or what I'm settling on is that the wisdom comes through a certain type of true dialogue, right? It doesn't have to always be with somebody else. It can be with just yourself, right? It's one of the things I've explored with this podcast um, because for many years there wasn't very many people listening to it, right? Except for myself. But there's a reason for that. And it's because I was talking to myself and in that, I've found that you can find just the same true dialogue that you need to find with somebody else with yourself. Oftentimes, you'll find that you say things that you don't even remember saying. That you'll impress yourself in ways that you've never seen before. And you'll also disappoint yourself in ways that you've never seen before. And the ways that you disappoint yourself when you hear yourself talk, when you hear yourself say some of the things you think, you then recognize what's true. You can really recognize what's true because it's like listening to somebody else for the first time. And you know when you feel when they're lying. So that's one of my really good, rec my, my best recommendations to anybody out there that is on this truth journey that just wants to find the truth inside of themselves. Or if you, f if you feel like you have a trouble identifying what would make you feel whole, what project, what, what area in life you need to focus on to make you feel better, the best advice I could give anybody is to just go record yourself, talk like this, right? Just even if it's in front of a camera for 30 seconds, it doesn't matter. But sit down and have no preconception of what you're going to say. You'll feel before you do this, you might feel some energy, you might feel nervous, you might feel tightness in your chest, you might cough a lot, you might get congestion. All of this is normal because you're clearing something out. And when you speak... When you speak after that and you listen back to it, I promise you, you'll have some emotions that you didn't think you had. You might have some trouble hearing your voice for the first time. You might have some trouble hearing some of the ideas that you present. You might criticize yourself a lot. Whatever happens, just recognize it's all for you. And you'll see immediately these parts of yourself that are just waiting to be healed. Right? 
you know, when you go and criticize yourself immediately after you create some, something, that's just a, that aspect of us, our inner child that believes it's not good enough, right? Every time I do that to myself, every time I get on, before I didn't got on and do, did this, I was going like crazy inside of my head. I was even getting tight physically and stressed. Like I often do when I create something or I go on this. But it doesn't mean I'm not supposed to do it. It means there's an aspect of me I'm healing when I do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's an aspect of all of our expression that when we do that, when we just live our expression out truthfully, it'll be painful. It'll it'll hurt. It may feel like the wrong way for a while, you know. But if you stay focused on that aspect of truth, which is doing what you believe is true, you'll, it'll lead you where you need to go. I think that's kind of the message that, sorry, I keep on hitting the mic here. I think that's kind of the message that, you know, a lot of the religious leaders throughout history brought like is just that simply is just speak your truth. It doesn't matter what religion they came from. If you distilled it down, it's just be honest because it kind of covers all the other virtues, <laughs> you know, and there's a way in which you can't necessarily be a very greedy person. If you're honest with yourself and others, you know, you can't help but love if you're honest, you know, you can't help but be, but be grateful if you're honest. You know, it's really hard to not show anybody some compassion if you're being honest with yourself. And all of these things start to pop out. And I think that's why they refer to figures like Jesus, for instance, as the truth, the way, the light, right? And because of that. Because it's simple and complicated. The truth is the way. You are the light. <laughs> you know? And it's never anything outside of yourself, not even Jesus. It wasn't Jesus that was meant to make you feel small either. It meant Jesus was there to make you feel big. Larger than life. More powerful and magical than you've ever imagined. Right? And oftentimes today we've found ourselves second-guessing ourselves as a civilization and humanity as a species because we compare ourselves to these figures that seem godlike in retrospect because we've made them into gods. When in reality, they were human beings trying to show us the way. Right? And I think that's really, truly a message that can help us forgive ourselves. When you recognize there's no hierarchy, you know, these figures that we've maybe, regardless of what your, your religious background is, whether, however you think about them, they're not there to make you feel small. They may, they're there to make you feel strong because they're a part of you. They are you. Excuse me. They're all a part of you and me. Every animal that's ever lived is a part of you, I believe. Every god that's ever lived or been spoken of is a part of you or a story or an aspect of the human experience that still beats in your, you know, blood. There's a way in which wisdom can also be passed down in a more spiritual way. And I think that's... The other type of wisdom I kind of want to try to focus on towards the end of this podcast here, because 
there's a certain knowing. There's a way in which if you view all of the development of humankind from a thousand feet or even further back and you zoom out way back and you, you try to look at it in a grand scheme of things, it's really hard to not think about everything that we've experienced, including every religious experience we've ever had across the world as a part of the evolution we call human. That human being isn't separated from eagle, from dolphin, from dinosaur. It's a part of the same thing. It's an expression of it most advanced expression of it, the most beautiful expression of it. The expression of it is still learning what it is. And because of that, it creates chaos and disorder. And it kills and it murders and it paints and it sings. As it wakes up. Because every single point in, in development, every single aspect, every single animal in that chain was necessary. Every individual perspective that went through life for however long it went through life, went through that for it to get to this point. And every myth that's ever been created is a part of that story too. Every story that's ever been told is a representation of that deeper, grander story, the story of human being growing into being what it is. It's even deeper than that. It's a story of consciousness, of God opening its eyes and looking at itself, of it finally having a mirror onto what it is. That's what we are. And the only way we recognize that truth is by being it. When you, when you recognize there's a truth and wisdom that is innate into, built into what you are, your blood, your DNA, there is something that is you. So I, I, when you know this because you have a specific genetic code, that's you. And there's a vibration that is just you. And there's a look that is just you. There's a feeling that is just you. And that's what everybody's being called to be. Because that thing that I'm describing, it's not good or bad. It just is. So part of the secret, I think, part of the thing that's holding us back, that's keeping us from being able to recognize this aspect in all of us is the idea that there's good and bad. There's a part of you that's bad that you need to change, eliminate. And there's a part of you that's good that you need to be more of. Well, that could be true, but what it produces is a lot of chaos internally because it'll cause you to look at yourself in a very critical way habitually over and over again because that higher version of yourself will eventually end up on a pedestal. That lower version of yourself, you'll place way below you. And you'll view that thing as something that should never be a part of you and you'll view this thing as something that you, is the only thing you should ever be, Right? problem is, is you're not <laughs> just the light thing. You know what I mean? Which is what a lot of us light workers get caught in, you know, presenting as just this nice thing. 
that that's the part of the healing process that's happening right now to all light workers too is the magdalene energy the truth she's been forgotten magic has been forgotten right and the truth the real truth has been forgotten and if you imagine how it comes back it doesn't feel good it's the aspect of all of us that we deny is the truth the real truth it's the skeleton in everybody's head that says you can never say this right beyond that door is true magic real magic the psychic powers everything that we've imagined can be a reality your whole world that you've dreamed of it's all behind that fear the lie that we've been told that there's a part of us that's so horrid we should never show it to the world and that part just so happens to be the part that's magic hmm. for everybody because magic beings are powerful beings and you're a powerful being and can you imagine a bunch of powerful beings all being powerful together I want to. That's what I want to imagine. That's what I want to manifest. And I hope that you guys want more of that too, because I think there's a wisdom will culminate in that process of all getting on the same energy and frequency, you know, recognizing you're not alone anymore. <laughs> you know, there is something happening in this world, and it is getting better. Not in a way that it was good or bad, but it's evolving. Right? And you're a part of it. And you're a really important part of it, I think, too. I don't know. I think that's maybe a fallacy we all tell ourselves, every human being that's ever lived, that we live at the most important time. Maybe. But there's something about this time that's important. Think about what we're creating right now. What inventions you've seen in just your short lifetime. God, it's, it's like magic. I often wonder if science isn't going to continually run into a problem in the very near future of not being able to define why what it's creating isn't magic. <laughs> you know? Take ChatGBT, for instance, right? Take AI, for instance. It's at a level now where we really got a question. You know? Are we mothers and fathers? <laughs> Are we creating something that has its own consciousness, its own feeling, or at least a very good imitation of it? And what does that mean for us as a society? Right? These are all awakening questions. The reason that it's happening in our lifetime right now, which is why I think it's an important time to live, is because that answering that question is one of the foundational questions of waking the human being up to what it truly is, a creator, the creator, expressed manifest right every individual each person being a hair or a, you know cell in the body that is you know the god the universe the source whatever you want to call it you know the fractal reality <laughs> but there's a there's an expression in that there, there's a, I, I've been listening to, uh, 
it's weird because when you look, listen to people describe the nature of reality, when you start to approach it from like a spiritual perspective, they'll describe like, you know, the different uh, dimensions, right? Like the f first dimension, second dimension, third dimension, right? We all know that we live in the third dimension, right? But apparently, and this is, I, I didn't know this uh, until recently, but the fifth dimension, when you go to that dimension, if you were to view yourself as an observer in the fifth dimension, you would view everything as going on at the same time. Right? The future and the past is all going on now, right? So it's kind of all the same place in the same time. And also, if there's different versions of you, if there's different lives you've lived, those are also going on in exactly the same place and time. So every perspective, not just you, everybody that populated anything, is all going on at the same time. And it's all the same perspective. You. Right? So you're everything, essentially, is the way I've conceptualized it. And there's a way in which when we pull back, when we pull back to that kind of, because you can actually get there in meditation. You can go to that level of perception. The way I like to do it is to get kind of really relaxed, right? Go into a meditative state if you're in the bath or wherever you're at. And then literally try to zoom yourself out from your body. You know, pop yourself out of your body and watch yourself go float up all the way out and kind of zoom out from Earth and go out as far as you can go. You know, like zoom, zoom, zoom until you, all you see is just this little blob. You know what I mean? And sitting in front of you. And then start asking questions. What is that? <laughs> you know what I mean? What do we call that? What is it? Why did it come here? Who created it? You know, and then you'll recognize that you're outside of it. You know, you're looking at everything that's ever been and ever was, and you're looking at it from outside of it. And you have to just ask yourself one question. How can I even imagine the perspective of being outside of everything that was? Right? And it kind of leads into an, a little segue, too, of still relating to deeper wisdom. We're going all over the place here, guys, but I, I, uh, I'm enjoying the interaction as well. Um, I'll get back more to, to more of the... Uh, the comments here in a second too, but it leads into kind of the idea that science fiction and our imagination period serves a much deeper purpose than we give it credit for in the modern day, that it genuinely is like Elon Musk described, like a bootloader for reality, right? So that when you have an idea, when you go somewhere in your head, when you dream of something, there's some kind of gestation process happening there. A consciousness gestation process, I guess is what you could call it, right? And what's, I mean, the deep, deeper levels of that you could only go to like kind of science to describe right but the there's a way in which they overlap and we're i think what we're getting to is recognizing that there's a wisdom that pops out of cultivating different consciousness perspectives right that a lot of the things that have appeared as like foo-foo ideas throughout the histories and like the, the stories that we see ancients talk about and written on you know pyramid walls of how these things were created and what could have happened and magic being real in some ways right these things that there are they may have not just been myths that a lot of times what we do when we look backwards in history is we disassociate the people that lived in that time with kind of the modern intellect so we basically call them stupid in our head. Like they're old, so they're stupid. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's such a simple way to think about these people. It's much more accurate to think that they were just as capable mentally as we were 3,000 years ago. Because biologically they were, right? 
So they were very advanced, just like us. They just didn't have the same surroundings, the same technology yet that we did, but they had technology, right? We don't lend them enough credit. We don't let the stories that come from those civilizations enough credit factually either. And because the things like the magic principles are based on belief, on the energy that you create, you provide, being the thing that allows it to happen, the quickest way to shut it off is to get somebody to not believe it's real. You literally block it from being able to happen. Right? And you block any wisdom from that place from being able to come through that person again. You block their true individuality. Their truth. Right? Because that's the same place. It comes through that same place. Your truth isn't like yours. <laughs> as odd as that sounds. It's not your egos. Right? Your truth is, is a piece of the grander truth that you were purpose built to deliver. Something like that. Right? You have an avatar that was made to speak this. Whatever it is. You know? And it's only for you. That's why you, it's, it's very crucial that you say what you believe. Because if you don't, and you end up going and dying, and you didn't do what you're supposed to do, we didn't get what we needed. <laughs> this world missed something it needed. You. Right? You. Damn it, you, you can see that. <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah. There's a tragedy when you see somebody lose themselves, when you see somebody give up on themselves. When you even when, anytime you see anybody homeless, anytime you see anybody in a down, you know, addicted, there's a tragedy in it. And why is it tragic? That's why. Because that's a hero that doesn't realize it. You know, that's the hero of the story that got dishonored. They're all that. Everybody's that. They're their hero of their own story. And when we view people that way, if we start viewing more people that way as we should, as sources of innate wisdom, because they live, which is what our founding fathers and principles actually truly mean, your right to freedom of speech is there because of that principle, that very deep principle. There is something that you can say that I genuinely cannot because I don't know what it is because I'm not you. And we need every single person to do that. It's been one of the most successful experiments in human history up until a debatable point in history, <laughs> right? Until we failed to act on the principles that it was based upon, right? Until we failed to develop ourselves individually. You know, like uh, one of the, the founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin, uh, one of my favorite quotes um, of his was right after they wrote, they had the Constitutional Congress and there was a, a journalist outside of the Constitutional Congress after he came out and they'd just written the Constitution and the journalist went up to Benjamin Franklin and asked him, what kind of new government do we have? And he replied, a democracy if you can keep it. And, and there's been a lot of debate and like pulling apart of like why he said that. But I think what I've always come across or come away with was kind of what I was just getting at was something like a democracy demands something of people that we do not readily recognize or we do not want to recognize. It has a certain responsibility 
built into it. Freedom is not free, right? Its price is your truth. And if you don't say it, the truth, the overarching truth, the good in the world gets lost. And it may seem trivial. It may not seem real. How could I be that important? Well, imagine that idea inside of everybody. How could I be that important? What happens to the system? You are that important. Every individual is that important. And there's an aspect that we don't only need you to speak. We need the true version of you to speak. We don't need a politically manipulated version of you to speak, a gaslit version of you to to speak, a scared version of you to speak. We need the honest version of you to speak, the one that's acting through who you are, based on your experience and your experience alone, based on what you see, because you believe it truly, deeply within your bones, and you speak it out loud. That's how you vote, right, is with that behind you. The influence of the outside world is part of what has degraded this process. But it's also degraded because we failed to recognize our responsibility, our job. Like I said earlier, our job, and our founding fathers believe this, all of us is to develop ourselves spiritually so that we can be the people that can go into the world and manifest it properly. I truly believe they they knew this. That's why these principles are so deeply ingrained. Why everybody in the entire world looks to our constitution as a representation of what is true. Why people are attracted here. Why the American dream seems to still exist, even though it's gone through so much chaos in the last 50 years. It's because there's something true in America. You're free to speak. And you have the responsibility to. And that's the part that I think that we're coming to right now, socially, is that responsibility part. Because it's the painful part. It really sucks. But when you get tired enough of watching election after election or whatever, you know, boss after boss, you know, or relationship after relationship go and go and go without any kind of truth in it, you get really tired of seeing, you get thirsty for it. And all of us have been starved for it. You know, the lack of truth in the world for the last decade or so has been enough to make somebody thirsty. (laughs) So that I think that there is something developing in that. that That's why everybody's being called to look internally is because there is, you need it. It's a food, a soul food. The true soul food is truth. You know, not macaroni and cheese. Although I like macaroni and cheese. (laughs) And now I'm hungry for macaroni and cheese. (laughs) Let me see what we got here for some comments, guys. Really, thank you for all these. I've seen these going off and I haven't been able to engage with them because I've been on a roll here. But let's see what we got. Thank you, Catching Lee. I appreciate you, all your engagement there, brother. Seize the day. I agree with that. There's no time like the present, right? There's no time like the present to recognize or to speak whatever you're going to do. Every time I, every time I go to create something, I usually have something inside of me telling me to stop and not do it now. 
and that thing's usually the injured part of myself thinking that it's not going to be good enough. So I've kind of trained myself at this point. Like every time I'm going to go do something and I say, or I find an excuse or a reason not to do it, you know, I say that's, that's the thing I'm supposed to overcome. The excuse of why I'm not doing it. The thing that makes me feel uh, just a couple of minutes longer. No. Seize the moment. <laughs> it's now. It, the time is now. Right. It also is tough to balance with self-love where you're taking care of yourself. But if you listen to yourself, you always know when the moment's right. If you're tired, you're tired. If you're mad, you're mad. If you're sad, you're sad. As long as you're not denying those things to yourself. It's pretty simple, right? There's, a, there's an aspect of just speaking your truth that produces what we would call wisdom. Because people will pick and choose. Society will pick and choose once it's spoken out, whether it's true. It gets vetted in the zeitgeist. Right? And every time, you know, what, what, oftentimes if we ask what we're really afraid of in terms of speaking our mind, we're afraid of kind of being wrong. And it's like, okay. It, but it doesn't make sense when you really think about it. Okay, we're afraid of being wrong, but what do you need to grow? Because you're not where you want to be right now, is it? Are you? You know, I'm not. I don't think anybody sitting here is. And if you are, congratulations, because I'm coming for you. Right? I want to be there. <laughs> but if you feel like you still have something to work on, then you do. Right? And it's just about identifying where it is. And if you're afraid of something, there's something that's not true. Because you're not meant to be afraid. Ever. You're meant to, you're meant to feel strong and powerful and whole and beautiful. And full of wisdom. You know? Something that exudes it just because you are you. There's a certain grace that comes with that word. A certain spirit of energy that the owl, you know, represents. as kind of the totem of wisdom. There's... It's one of the ways that like your ancestors will talk to you. You know, I'm hearing that, especially for those of you are listening right now. Is that a, one of the most... The, the reason you get taught the lessons you get taught in your life, the reason that you've had the experiences you've had is because those are the lessons your ancestors, literally, the people that went before you, that's the shit that they couldn't couldn't figure out and and I can feel them you know coming through that's the stuff that they want to help you with they don't want to see you go through that pain and I hate the pain of not speaking who you are 
They don't want to see you get to the end of your life and imagine what you could have been if you would have just been honest. They don't want to see more left on the table with you. They want to see you. Sorry, there's some energy coming through there right now, guys. But I guess it's good timing because that's my cue to kind of wrap this up. And again, this was all over the place. Um, it's a very non-traditional podcast. I usually have a little more structure than I had in this one. But I think it was meaningful and I really enjoyed creating it. And I really, really appreciate all of you. Thank you for that, uh, Rose Carrier. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, all of you that supported and watched and uh, stuck around through this. Um, I'm going to continue to come on here and get more of these kind of live episodes because this is one of my passions is creating this podcast. And it's really cool to have all of you guys on here to talk to. So <laughs> I had I had nobody to talk to for a very long time. So thank you. <laughs> I feel much less like a crazy person now. Um, but that being said, if you guys did enjoy this, check me out on Spotify or pod- Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, any of those. It's called The Unfounded Podcast. And I've got probably a good almost 100 episodes out there, too. It just documents everything I've been through. So if you want somebody to sit by and go through some of the shit you're going through with you, it's a good podcast to check out. All right. Uh, and for uh, anybody else watching, I really want to thank you. Mom, I see you're still on there. Thank you very much for watching and supporting. I love you guys. My aunts and uncles out there, I think they're watching, too. Jim and Mackie, I love you. Dad, I love you. And uh, I'll be back on here soon, guys. Anyway. Bye.